Hi, and welcome to the Let's Do Video podcast. My name is David Maldo, and today we have a special podcast. We're going to talk to some experts about this whole GDPR thing and what it, how it affects our industry. So I have with me today um, Scott and Rebecca Allen DeVoe. Thanks, guys, for, for being here with me. Sure. Hello. Our pleasure. Uh, and I'd like to introduce them briefly. They have a very interesting story, particularly as it, as it pertains to what we're going to talk about today. They've been in the industry in a while in a number of forms, but one thing they do is um, they're serial entrepreneurs. They've done several startups. And as part of that process, when you do a startup, sometimes it gets uh, acquired and you learn what it's like to work on the inside. So I remember, and this clicked with me this morning as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about. At Infocom, four years ago, we were having coffee and just sharing stories. And you shared this one story, and I won't say you know, who it was about, but it was when you were inside one of these companies and you were particularly excited and you said, we realized they had these regulatory things coming up and it was, this is not your term, my term, it was everyone saw it as an SEP, someone else's problem. Yeah. I said, hey, do you guys know you have this? And everyone's like, oh, well, it's, if it's a thing, someone will take care of it. And somehow it got assigned to you or you took it upon yourself and it was way more than you thought it would be. It was months. It was stress. It was deadlines. It was a big thing. And it was very exciting. And I walked away from that thinking, oh, that's you know, nice. It's another thing you guys can do. And, and I think what I, and now I'm kind of back feeling, back feeling what I didn't realize at the time is you guys thought, or you guys realized there's going to be a growing need for this. Everyone sees it as an SEP. And there's not a lot of experts inside the industry and you didn't just say, this is something else we can do. You, you educated yourselves. You, people always say, did you go to school to learn to do that? I didn't go to school. To, I didn't go to podcasting school. You guys went to school. You are the experts now. And what really, and what I want the people watching this podcast, and I know I'm going long here to realize, they showed me the, the work they do. And, and I used to be an attorney, and I know sometimes regulatory compliance is a five-page report, and sometimes it's thousands of pages. This is thousands of pages. The stuff blew me away. I mean, testing and data and methodologies and regulatory, you know, it, all the stuff, um, a complete package. Uh, and so now they position themselves, you, pos you positioned yourselves as the people with the in inside industry knowledge who've done this before, who have the expertise, who went to, went to school for it and have the ability to deliver and then <laughs> this GDPR stuff hits, and you guys haven't slept since 2017. That's, um, that's true. You're, and, you're and that's where we are right. now. Yeah, you're, you're quite right. And the, <laughs> you know, in the world of security and regulatory compliance, you know, we, we, we felt like that was going to be important to our industry. And I, I think I, I underestimated, and Rebecca underestimated how important that it actually would be. Um, you know, and they go hand in hand. When we talk about security and regulatory compliance, sometimes people glaze over because it seems like two of the most boring topics, you know, in the world. Yes. But when we think about it, you know, we think, you know, just 10 years ago, the, the, the most valuable companies uh, in the world, you know, were automotive makers and um, oil companies. And it's not anymore. Uh, the, the largest companies in the world are companies all about data, you know, Apple and Google and Microsoft and uh, Amazon Web Services and 
uh, Oracle uh, up and coming. And that's the most valuable commodity that we have. And when it's the most valuable commodity that we have, it's important to be able to protect that commodity, you know, even though it's, um, it's a virtual commodity, it's not tangible. And, you know, I've, I've been in the UC industry for uh, 20 some years, and Rebecca's been in the UC industry for 18 uh, plus years. Uh, and you'd think, you know, is it important to be able to protect, uh, you know, information in the UC industry? But when you think about it, this, this particular industry is like, what, in, what other interest industry hosts global conferences, you know, around the world every day? Uh, legal depositions, um, healthcare consultations, you know, bridging everyone's images and uh, mixing all of our audio calls and our strategies and our mergers and our acquisitions. And we send chat messages through the service, millions of chat messages, uh, all relayed through service providers and, you know, tracking and logging our online presence. Are we online? Are we not online? You know, knowing where we are and knowing the titles of our meetings, knowing with whom we interact. Uh, we want to make a recording of the conference is no problem. You know, the service provider can help do that. And so it's like in the video industry, in the UC industry, the service provider is always there, always ready, always in the background amid every single vertical, whether it's, you know, commerce or government or education or media or pharma, whatever it might happen to be. And so it, it caused Rebecca and I to think, what other industry, you know, has that profound type of reach and responsibility, really, to guard our, our most valuable commodity, which is information assets. And so uh, it started off boring for us, uh, uh, involved initially in uh, information uh, security and, and regulatory compliance. And we quickly realized just how important w what it is that we do. Uh, to help service providers and companies be able to comply with regulatory compliance and to be able to protect uh, that kind of information that we entrust to, to cloud services. Yeah, yeah it, it's certainly particularly important from a, I want to say almost ethical, moral point of view that, that we protect these kind of communications. But even if we wanted to be a complete cynic um, and, and say, you know, all we care about is business, I think our industry still has to be particularly cared about it. This is an industry where we have very savvy customers. In yeah. any other industry, you know, Facebook, if Facebook isn't being secure, what am I going to do about it? You know, what am I going to do about it? And, you know, I use Facebook less. I, I, it's so big and Facebook users don't know. We just, we just hope that they're being good about it. I hope Twitter's being good. You know, I, I hope, you know, these huge companies are being good. Um, but some of these small video service providers, they're not these huge companies. We don't have to trust them. I can choose. There's a list of video service providers, and I can talk to them, and I can say, what are you doing about security? Well, this is how much I care about security. How much do you care about security? And I can make a choice as a consumer. And for the reasons that you stated, you see customers care more about security than you know, the, the average technology user. Sure. Sure. So we have I a do. customer base that cares, a customer base that's educated, uh, and that's going to be asking for it. So even from a complete cynic point of view, companies, uh, the, the, the providers, you, you see providers need to be um, taking care of this. Well, something kicks in when you use video, don't you think? Like we'll send an unsecured email all day long. We'll make an unsecured telephone call, you know, all day long, or we won't even know if it's secured. Is it secured? I don't know. But when you get on video, I commonly hear people say, who can see this? 
you know, who, who has access to, to this particular content. It's important to us. It's personal to us. It's valuable to us, uh, let alone uh, if I'm actually using the medium for a merger and acquisition or strategy, you know, conversation, which has real value to, to it, of course. Yeah, the, the idea of someone, you know, the idea of someone hearing something you said about them, you didn't want them to, to know, you know, I, I don't want to do business with this person for this reasons. That's one thing. But then to see, to actually see you saying it, that's like, that's really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, it is. It's, it's terribly uncomfortable. Yeah, that's right. So you talked about, um, you talked about regulatory compliance and you talked about, um, Oh, can I get, ask you quickly, you know, as a, just a complete, almost complete novice to this, yeah. if you can, I want to give you a, a newbie's definition of, of GDPR and you tell me how, how close, because uh, I think a lot of people just say, oh, GDPR, yeah, we got to take care of it. It's just a buzzword. They don't even know what it means. And sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm so dumb. It takes me a while to realize if I just look at the actual words, it explains it. General data protection regulation. So, yeah. okay. So there's a lot of companies out there that have my email address. This affects yeah. them. There's a lot of companies out there that have my entire life history, like Facebook. This affects them. At sure. first, I thought this was a Facebook thing. But then yeah. a few months ago, I started getting all these emails, these awkward, socially awkward emails from companies saying, hey, we've been sending you letters and we've been sending you newsletters and you might not have signed up uh, in a way that's okay now. So if you still want to get it, please sign up by really checking this. Otherwise, we're so sorry and you'll never hear from us again. So it, it affected, it seems like it affects everything. Right. It's funny, you know, that you say that because I think initially um, when people heard about the GDPR or they would talk about it, they would say like, oh, it's awful. It's overreaching. You know, nobody should have to, to do this. It's just, it's going to be a lot of money for us to have to comply. We're not going to be able to talk to the people that we want to talk to anymore. What are we going to do with all this information that we bought? And they were looking at it like it was really a bad thing. But I like to tell the individual, maybe not the company, but for the individual, it's actually a good thing because it's saying all of these different companies and all of these different organizations now have to have a different level of responsibility for what they're doing with your information, how they're getting your information. Um, so I think it's, it is really a good thing and it does raise all of the boats. But I think initially when it, uh, when it first was being talked about, it certainly was uh, viewed, I think, perhaps negatively by companies or organizations. Everyone was very scared. Yeah. But it's about time. I, I agree with Rebecca. Um, uh, everyone was very scared. I agree with you. But it's like, what, what are we really trying to, what are we trying to do? Here's the thing. We turn on the evening news. We load, you know, the BBC or CNN or whatever news channel that we want to look at. We see the same thing night after night, week after week. A breach of security data has happened. Our credit cards have been compromised. Our national identity numbers have been released. Uh, email databases and marketing databases, and just all kinds of databases uh, have, have been exposed. Um, and so we're, we're becoming numb to this. Like, is there any such thing as, as security? Now we're starting to look at, we have to secure things because even our infrastructure uh, of, of nations uh, could be at risk. Um, and so securing information is incredibly important, whether we're talking UC or whether we're talking nuclear or, you know, electrical power plants and, 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 and our personal information, our identity. I mean, our, our identity is so incredibly important. So what do governments do 
about this. Governments regulate, and we have to do something to protect all of these things that we just discussed. And so governments pass regulations uh, in the United States. Uh, it's states are passing regulations to protect personal data. Um, at a federal level, uh, the, its regulations are passed, uh, sec sectoral regulations are passed uh, for healthcare, such as HIPAA, banking, such as CFPB or GOBA, um, and, and other regulations. Other countries have more omnibus uh, rules, like Canada with uh, PIPITA, or uh, uh, the European Union, by way of example, with, uh, with the GDPR. And it's, it's a good thing, because something has to be done to be able to secure our most valuable asset. You, you think about the beginning of the GDPR, what's it say? The beginning of the GDPR says, you know, the protection of natural persons in relation to the processing of personal data is a fundamental right. Mm. Doesn't that seem like it should be a fundamental right? I like that. Yeah, to, to control my own data and decide who has yeah. it. Yeah. I, I like the fact that it lets me like get data back. I, I remember watching a video years ago, someone trying to delete their stuff off of Facebook and they couldn't just close the account. They had to delete each picture individually. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. It should be my data. I want to get it back. Wow. Yeah, that's and, right. And it's terrible how accustomed we've come to it. When I hear that major credit card had however many thousands of, of accounts, yeah, I say, well, you know, 20% of their accounts were, were attacked. I, I guess I got a one in five chance yeah, <laughs> that something bad that. happened to me. I hope, you know, I hope I'm in the other 80%. It's right. You don't say, oh, no, how did that happen? It's, it's oh boy, here, here it is again. I hope I'm not one of them. Right, exactly. Yep. And so, you know, the European Parliament stepped in and they said, this is what, this, this is what the EU is going to do. Um, and so, you know, that's an example of, of the reason behind it. Uh, Recital 4 talks about the, you know, the processing of personal data should be designed to serve mankind. I love that. Every time I get a robocall, I think, this should be designed to serve mankind, you know, <sighs> not, not us serve uh, these, these uh, robocalls. Uh, the, the next recital um, of the GDPR talks about in a rapid technical, you know, uh, in an age of rapid technical, technological development and global, globalization, there's these new challenges regarding the protection of personal information. Uh, and something must be done so that there's a uniform set of, of laws and regulations. So a lot of people initially thought though, that the GDPR only applied to the landmass of Europe. And that's not true. It, it took us quite a bit of time and we're still doing it to explain, no, it's protecting the identity of European individuals, not even necessarily citizens, but just European individuals. And if we as service providers are serving European individuals, uh, we're required to follow the regulations uh, of uh, the GDPR. I think, I think even though it's in effect, this is still sinking in. Yep. Uh, and, I, you know, I think it's a combination of things. There's some, definitely some real meat to it, but also it just it, I think it gave everyone a bit of reassurance. You know, we've heard all these horror stories. Everything's happening. What's going on with our data? No one respects our data. They're selling our data. They're giving it away. How am I going to get all these lists? Then all of a sudden I get a wave of, of emails from, you know, coffee, my coffee lovers newsletter saying, Hey, we want you to know, we're going to be super careful with your data. And if you want, we're going to delete everything today. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, you know, this, this is, um, I'd like to think this isn't just to placate me, which is about the newsletters uh, that there's a, 
a lot more to it, but wow, this is real. Okay. Someone cares about someone in a position of government cares about my data now. Yeah. So let's share an example of a client of yours that you've helped from our industry. Now there's a company called uh, MNS. I think we could learn more about them at MNS.VC. And my understanding is this is a networking company. So they must have tons of data that they now have to be concerned with. So what did you do for them? What was their, what was their concern and how did you step in? Perfect. So they are a networking company, but they also um, are a video recording company. So they actually provide the services to a lot of different companies within our industry um, specific for recording. So they offer video recording services. You might have a, a video platform that your customers connect to, but chances are if they're pressing record to record that video session, that it's being powered by uh, MNS and or one of their services. Um, so what we did was twofold. One, they realized and they recognized that what they hold is very, not just important data, but very valuable data. It could be considered uh, highly confidential and or sensitive. Um, they also recognized that they needed to do some things to get ready for the GDPR, making sure they were compliant with that. So what we did was we approached it by helping them to implement uh, ISO 27001, leveraging the 27002 control set, and augmenting it by making sure that it included the appropriate uh, data privacy um, controls and mechanisms to ensure full compliance uh, with the, the changing landscape. So the way that we started that was we actually went through and identified where they're located, where their POPs are located, and uh, took time to actually investigate what are the different sectoral laws and um, what are the different regulations that they would need to comply with? So we knew what our baseline was. So that was kind of where we started with them. And then we went through a, a multi-month process to actually go through and develop the policies and procedures and help them to implement those uh, technical, administrative, and physical controls so that they were complying with those policies and procedures that had been put in place. So it's not just recommendations, it's actually no. making the changes. <laughs> Yes. And this is, um, they're a Norwegian company, is that right? They are. They so are. So was there, I mean, you had a, is there a language barriers? This is, you know, you guys are an American company. These are different laws, different cultures, different languages, but you're, you're, you're international? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you have to be with the regulatory, with, with these regula regulations that we're dealing with. Yes, and in all fairness, they speak very good English. They do. That's, That's true. Very impressive. It wasn't. It wasn't because of our Norwegian uh, skills. <laughs> <laughs> and as part of this, um, as part of your process, you guys take on the role of the bad guys and actually try to, you know, test your own security. You try to break in and and do all sorts of of testing. So that happened here as well. This was. That sounds like that sounds like the fun part to me. That's, that's part of the technical compliance piece. So it is actually fun, and it's probably Scott's favorite part of the process. Oh, it is. It is my favorite part. So part of implementing the ISO twenty seven thousand one framework is that we we ensure that we meet rigorous administrative controls, policies, and procedures that are followed, audited, validated that are followed. Um, so that's administrative, and then physical controls, uh, all the appropriate alarms and locks and notifications, uh, cameras and monitoring that's required. We validate that as well. 
And then finally, technical controls as well, ensuring the right types of encryption in transit, encryption in storage, password strength is being used, access controls are in place. So ISO 27001 allows us to implement those types of measures across all three areas. It's interesting because as we do this, we do it in a way to comply with regulations. So MNS has POPs all around the world, and so they had to comply with regulations all around the world, from Europe to uh, you know, the Americas to Canada to Brazil and wherever they have POPs. They have to comply with those regulations wherever they are processing data. And so we ensure that the policies, the procedures, the technical controls, uh, the physical controls comply with regulations. And while we're complying with the regulations, we're ensuring that the security mechanisms go hand in hand so that we have regulatory compliance uh, lockstep uh, with information security processes. It's a lot of fun to do this, it really is. Uh, so our company helps implement uh, all that's needed across administrative, technical, and physical controls. And we also will do full vulner vulnerability scans. And so we'll scan all of their POPs, uh, their infrastructure, their offices, their servers, their workstations, routers, access points, everything that has an IP address, we scan it. We compare it against known vulnerabilities against many different vulnerability databases and heur heuristic um, measurements that we have. Uh, when we look at an information asset, which could be a database, could be a router, could be a server, we will look and make a listing of any vulnerabilities that we have and compare it to CVSS scores, which is a, a scale of one to 10. We will plot any known vulnerabilities that we have in a massive report that we will put together because the idea is part of our risk assessment is to take a snapshot of where an enterprise is now. And that becomes a prescription when we have a listing and that's one of the, that's one of the 5,000 page reports that you remember seeing. We, we will work with the, the enterprise to remediate those known vulnerabilities, starting with the worst ones first, uh, those that scored nine to 10, and then working on those that scored seven to eight, and then those that scored six, uh, five to six, until we have looked at uh, the risk assessment, which we usually do uh, on an ISO 27,005 model, and we've taken any concern that's, that's a red or critical concern and moved it into an acceptable risk metric. This takes months, of course. So yeah. working through an ISO 27001, 27002, 27005 process uh, is usually uh, an effort, a long-term effort, a six-month effort, a nine-month effort to do these types of things. But here's the thing. When we march through these steps, a company's security posture is entirely different than when they began across all the facets that we talked about. And we have a lot of fun doing it too, as you can tell. Yeah. It, you know, everything you said there was, it, it was particularly compelling to me. And there's two things in, in, in particular that really jumped out at me. Um, one is the fact that instead of just saying, here's the list of things you have to do by the law and we're going to do those things, um, you go in there and you do the testing and you say, hey, here's your vulnerabilities. I think that's a lot more, if I was in industry, it'd be a lot more compelling to me if you say, I need to, you know, whatever, I need to put this software update on my servers. Why? Because it's part of the rules. Well, okay, we'll do it next month. You need to put the software to update on your servers because I just hacked you and I got all your data and here's, you know, here's, here's, your, here's your email address. Okay, I'll put it on right now. So, so I like that part of it. I also like the part of it that, you know, there's two ways to deal with regulatory compliance in any industry. You could look, look at the regulations and say, 
we're doing these things. And any company or industry can do that, and they won't get in trouble with any government. And when they get hacked, they'll be able to say, hey, we followed the regulations. It's not our fault we get hacked because it happens. Uh, it's another thing to say, okay, yeah, of course we're going to follow the regulations, but first we're going to try, we're going to make sure no one hacks you. We're really going to try. And who knows, there might be some super genius out there somewhere who finds something someday, but your clients will be able to say, look, we didn't just follow the regulations. We had Scott and Rebecca come in and, 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 and really try to tear this apart and everything they found we fixed. Uh, It's, it's, it's really going to, to, it's really taking the attitude of, okay, people, we get it. We get it. You're worried about your data. We're going to do everything. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that Rebecca and I like is, I mean, there are other companies that do this kind of thing. Ernst & Young, we've bid against them. We've won against them. You know, PricewaterhouseCooper, we've bid against them. We've won against them. Uh, we're a little more affordable than them, but we're incredibly exhaustive. When you bring in companies like that, you know, you have to spend so much time teaching them about our industry. You know, what's H, you know, What's H225, H245? What are these particular flows? What's, uh, what are these SIP messages going back and forth? What are these gatekeepers doing? What are these gateways doing? When they're scanning them and trying to understand them, we don't need to be brought up to speed about any of that because this is our niche. You know, This is what we focus on. We go into an enterprise, uh, companies that are using cloud services, whatever the provider might be, whatever the service provider might be. They're using uh, infrastructure that's hosted in a data center. They're using infrastructure that's on site. We're familiar with all of that, and we can simply just roll up our sleeves and we can get to work. Yeah, you've, you've built some of those systems, so yeah, you guys know that stuff works. Yeah, and that really is the key. Uh, it's it's I think it's a different thing to have someone who just doesn't understand security, but really understands really understands our industry. And and the two of you have been in the industry a, a long time. Well, I, w- I want to say this: this a lot of people wonder. What, I get that we're wanting to protect information. Why is ISO 27001 important? And here's why it's becoming important. Because as a customer, I want to be able to trust whatever service provider I'm giving my information to. It's relevant to our UC industry. It's relevant to social media, right? It's relevant to banking. How do I trust that they're going to care for my information? And that this particular program is written in such a way and implemented in such a way that it must comply with best practices. So in our world, with the best individuals who write standards, these are the best practices that we have to be able to assure uh, individuals that we are taking responsible measures with their information. And it's so important right now because how do I know that I can trust a a UC service provider? Trust is a huge word. You brought it up at the very beginning. You know, you, you, you think about, Trust, you know, trust is at an all-time low, isn't it, right? You know, trust trust in Wall Street is at an all-time low. You know, trust in the government, you know, is at an all-time low. You know, trust trust in, you know, banking after 2008, you know, is an yeah. all-time low. Uh, trust in education is at an all-time low. Social media, trust in social media is at an all-time low. And trust in the security of our personal information, it's at an all-time low. And so I believe in my heart of hearts that the service provider that does not go down this particular road uh, is not going to be able to have a compelling argument that uh, they're taking responsible measures to protect my information. I was in a meeting uh, with a a Fortune 1000 company the other day, and I was listening to a, a service provider answer the question of how do you protect our information? And the sales engineer was giving all the 
all the same old answers that I used to give. Oh, we encrypt the data. Uh, We, um, uh, you know, we ensure that it's encrypted in transit. We ensure that information is encrypted in storage. Uh, You know, this is the architecture that we've built the thing around. And they didn't even reach 1% of the new mark, the new goal, the new security Mm -hmm. posture that uh, I, I think anybody who's really storing valuable information needs to reach. And so I, I think this is the, the new baseline uh, for uh, security postures. And I think it's not going to be that long before we heighten the security posture to encourage individuals to go from ISO 27001, which are all these baseline security controls that are just absolutely fantastic, to actually implementing ISO 27017 and 18, which is the security of our information in the cloud for cloud service providers. So. I don't know anyone that's doing that yet, uh, but I, I think that we'll see that around the corner as well. It, it sounds to me like you're taking us into a, a I mean, it's, it's necessary, but it's sad, into a post-trust era. You know, I, you used to say, if, if I'm making a, a, a FaceTime call, how, how do I know that no one from Apple or, or no one outside of Apple is, is listening into what I'm saying? I just kind of trust that they're not. You know, if I'm making a Skype call or whatever kind of call, how do you know that no one at those companies or, or someone in the middle, well, I know they encrypt, but do you know how encryption, you know, how do you know? I trust, I trust that they're not listening. And I have nothing that, if they're, they're going to be bored anyway, but I, I just trust. And, and we can't do that anymore. No, we that can't. We trusted Facebook for us. You know, we trusted Cambridge Analytica and it's, uh, it's, it's a new era. Yeah. So with all these new regulations in place and, and you getting them in place for our industry, I'm not going to have to trust. We mm-hmm. trust that um, while accidents can still happen, this is going to mitigate so much of what would have happened. It will not happen now. This is going to heighten the security posture of how we ensure we keep uh, bad hackers out, but how we're not making mistakes ourselves. Because we have independent attestation, independent auditors spending time on site, asking the hard questions, permitted to do the, the investigation that they need, uh, so that we can sign papers and say, you know, here are the 140 checks across a week or two weeks of audits, depending upon the size of the company and the complexity of the systems that we have done, and a grade card report to be able to issue this certification. Yeah. And, and even at the end of the day, even if you can't a million percent guarantee that, that anything is completely unhappy, you know, the CEO can always walk in and type in the code word and steal everything and leave. Um, it's... I would think it's going to give companies such a competitive advantage. You know, it, it's the old, um, if, if, uh, if you're looking to rob a house and there's one in the block with a nice security system, you look at the next house, right? So if, if I am a bad guy and I'm looking to cause some trouble, um, I'm probably not going to mess with one of the companies that you've, that, you know, that has your sign That's on there. Right. Because even we even have mitigating controls against the, the CEO walking in, don't we, Rebecca, with the master team <laughs> dealing the information. It's called segregation of duties. So. Yep. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Over my head. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But no, that makes me feel good. Even, even, even my crazy trying no. to be silly examples are covered. You got, it's, it's all covered. People have thought of everything. So, so okay, I'm feeling better. Great. So how can my, my friends in the industry who, who work at all these wonderful um, UC companies and now should be terrified and want to reach out to you, how do they get in, t- in touch with you? They can reach me in several different ways. They can reach Rebecca and I uh, at our email address. Uh, I don't know if you can put our email address up uh, on the screen, David. Um, we'll figure something out. 
Mine's S Allen at AllenDevoe.com. Um, Rebecca's is R Allen at AllenDevoe.com. Uh, and you can call me uh, as well uh, on my phone number. The best way to, to, to also find out what we do is to go to our website, uh, Uh and you can get information just about the different types of uh, regulatory compliance practices that we do. Um, specifically information about if you're a healthcare organization, how we specifically help with HIPAA, uh, high tech uh, throughout the United States. If you're in Canada uh, with PIPIDA uh, in, in the European Union, again, we've talked about GDPR, um, special categories of information through Article 9, GDPR. That's all out there on the website. Um, you can look at that. But, but probably the, the, the easiest way, as opposed to pouring through all that information, is just give me a call. I'd love to talk to you. Great. I thank you both so much for being here. And um, I am going to drag you both back to explain to me what a blockchain is. <laughs> a blockchain? Not today. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I, want, okay. But I, I, I do what <laughs> you guys know what blockchains are. And I'm, I'm starting to get embarrassed by not knowing enough about them. So I'm going to, I'm going to drag you back here. Um, we look thank forward. you guys. Thank you guys so much. Um, and uh, if you enjoyed this content, please come back to let's do video.com for more. Thanks.